Hey, we're on. Oh, we are? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, man. Okay. Oh, All right, goodness. guys. Uh, for those who are with us online, thank you for being here. This is the Nissan Nerd Podcast. And on this episode, a retired Nissan chief debuts a new EV sports car concept. Nissan Formula E team experiences success and heartache at their race in Portland. And lastly, as part of our back alley chat, we're going to be talking about the cleanliness and organization of your garage and under trying to predict how that affects the progress of your car build. So we'll go ahead and get into that. Uh, this is the Nissan Nerd Podcast. So let's go ahead and get into it. <laughs> Um, welcome to another episode of the Nissan Nerd Podcast, where we are in full swing here. Uh, before we go ahead and jump into all our fun-related activities that we're going to talk about on our normal episode of the Nissan Podcast, um, mm-hmm. let's uh, do a little catch-up here. But wait, what Uh-oh. number are we on right now? We're on number 70, man. Seven zero. Yeah, man. Feeling pretty good about it? Feeling pretty good about being 70? Yeah, <laughs> we, uh, we've been working at this for a while, man. So again, uh, thank you to anybody that is going to be joining on here with us to celebrate number 70. Not really a, one of those significant numbers, but we're getting there. So one of these days, uh, we'll have something to celebrate. When we get to 100, I think it's going to be something pretty Ooh, cool. So. That's going to be impressive, man. I Actually, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I can't I think... believe we stuck with each other for 100 episodes when we get to that point. We'll see if we make it that far. So You're telling me. No. <laughs> <laughs> On that uh, note, man. so um, yeah, I think the last time I saw you, I was working in your garage, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, actually, we were doing that, and we were um, – in the house doing some electrical work you so i noticed are a man of many i noticed the backdrop and i was like normally you get the whole virtual like i do yes. but you are in somebody else's house uh, <laughs> backdrop no i'm just kidding that's your no, own house this is, what's the story yes so um what's been happening in the last few weeks is that as part of um let's just call it a summer project i am repainting all of my bedrooms and hallway Half the house is being painted, and because of that, I am essentially kicked out of all of the rooms. So I am here essentially in my kitchen, uh, living room, dining room, uh, doing the show. So uh, as you can see, for those that are online with this, not a um, virtual background, but for you guys that are on audio, hey, man, you can't tell the difference at all. Well, I hope see, not. if you uh, if you had the uh, beauty options of a virtual background, you could partake in everything that I partake in. So I'm just saying for those, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. For those uh, in currently, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, so well, I hope it all works out. I uh, hope it all gets done. And um, yeah, Thank and then you. we'll uh, we'll be able to see your green screen here in the future. So yeah. Yeah. It has not been bad. I want to thank you again for helping me with uh, some of the electrical work. You are a uh, jack of many trades, I would say. Uh Electrical work being it, so that was one of the last things we did. However, you have been doing some other things as well here. Um, we just got through the 4th of July weekend not mm. too long ago, and you were sharing pictures of some progress you made with your 620 project, which seemed like a big a big step, a big leap. Yeah, 
Yeah, I actually had an opportunity to finally get my VG30 that I did a full rebuild on. Um, yeah. We'll call it a Craigslist rebuild, right? So, um, <laughs> no, I, I, I did a lot of it except for, you know, a few internal things. But after testing, it was good enough for me. So, through new seals all the way around it, tested all the compression numbers, and then basically just put it all back together, did all my CAD plating nerdness. Um, in cleaning every meticulous bolt like I do. Um, but I had an opportunity yep. to finally get that engine mounted in the um, project car that I'm doing, which is a Datsun 620. Mm -hmm. So I'm taking that engine platform again and putting it into a Datsun 620. I got the mounts where I want them. Um, everything is fitting fine. I'm wait I was waiting for all the fight to come with all the custom options that I needed to do. Surprisingly, it yeah. doesn't look too bad so far. I might be kicking myself in the cake and the took us there. Are you speaking too soon? I'm speaking. I might be speaking too soon, but uh, the alternator was the big thing. Like it was actually up against the rail and it just was, I mean, we're talking like three millimeters to be able to put tension in something. So I had to literally find a new way to re-engineer the alternator or it was going to be a complete like drop or a complete raise. I mean, it was going to be nuts where the alternator was going to be. It was going to be like, full-on race car placement way out west to make it happen but i turned i used a little bit of ingenuity talked oh, yeah? to a couple people that have done swaps with vgs and other platforms and they said well take that flip it above the rail mount it so it's a fixed position and then from there just figure out the belt length and put the tension on it so i was oh. screwing around with that for about two days solid of just in my sleep figuring it out and then I finally figured it out. I took the original AC bracket, chopped it up, which is aluminum. And then I found exactly where I want to place it. So far, you know, in fabrication mode, it looks like it's going to work. So we'll see how it goes. So Good, man. That's we'll, uh, we'll see. Maybe one day. Good, good so. step, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, it's all talk now until it, until it works, right? So we'll go from there. Touche. But, good point. Yeah, good yeah. point. So uh, let's do a little bit. Um, let's see here. We got anybody on with us? Just Myers Motorsports on with us oh, here tonight. Yeah. As always, thank you, Haley, for being on with us. Uh, we'll uh, we'll thank everybody else as they start to trickle through the door, as it were. Um, see here. Thanks again for everybody for being here. Anything you would like to tell us? Again, please post in the comment section below. We see you, and we will share some of your comments throughout the show. Um, let's go ahead and get started, man. Let's do a comp buy. That's right. So before we get into the Nissan news section, it's a tradition that we do. Uh, what we do give a comp buy uh, salute with each episode, and this episode is no different. So uh, we say here a salute to those in the Nissan family whom we wish good health, and for those who may have lost along the way, let us be reminded of them always. Let's go with the comp buy, guys. Ooh, that's good. All right. Now, now, uh, before we move on, specifically, there is a gun buy for three people, specifically. First one being for Mr. Matsuo-san, the, the designer of the original Datsun Z, first-generation Z. Now, he, uh, this week would be the three-year anniversary since his passing. Uh, he was very, very much involved with uh, the Nissan Z community. He was a rock star in his own right and came always came out to the States to be with us. And uh, it's, it's been three years since we since uh, he's passed. So we definitely want to go ahead and 
celebrate him and his contribution to yep. Nissan. Many a beer with him. He was a very nice gentleman. Dude, nice. such amazing stories with him, man. I Same here. Great stories, too, as far as he told us why certain design aspects of the Datsun Z car are, why they are what they are, and some funny stories behind them, too. So awesome, awesome guy, man. Uh, we do have two birthdays we want to go ahead and, and, and shout out to. The first one is to a longtime uh, Nissan Nerd uh, fan and our friend who we've hung out with uh, since then. Uh, we're talking, of course, about our buddy Justin Lucas Eastman. Man, what can I say? JLE, man, typically always on the podcast here having some fun with us. Uh, he is a huge contributor to the Nissan Z community. I'd like to tell him happy birthday. And the other one is uh, personally uh, my brother, who is also a Datsun uh, S30 owner. Uh, my brother Kyle here uh, just turned 27. Uh, and he's got an S30, though. Lots of good stories. Uh, yeah. He just I, came I, over I, to my house and robbed all the interior out of my brand new Brand new, new to me, 1977 280Z. So, yes, I'm familiar with your brother. No, I'm just kidding. He's a great That's... guy. I'm, I'm happy to help him out with this project. So, it's a clean car. Yeah. For... It's it's not too bad. It's a fun car. Funny story is, is that I actually worked on that car about eight years before he bought it. It's funny oh, yeah. how, of course, how tight-knit the community is here around town. And uh, uh, I, I've known that car for a while now too so but yes still driving that's his daily driver that's his only car for the last three years just rocking it man just uh gotta give him power gotta give him props for it you know yeah we're sending but, him uh, uh, that is our god by thoughts and prayers for his project keep it going so. <laughs> god, thoughts and prayers <laughs> oh man well uh, tell you what let's, let's go ahead and get into nissan news yeah. Uh, this is, of course, uh, a part of the show where we, Miles and I, we each scour the internet and share an article that we like regarding Nissan, Datsun, and Infinity. Uh, these articles are sourced from the Nissan and Infinity official newsrooms and also can be scoured from the media outlets at large through the internet. And so, uh, Miles, I think you've it's, you've got the uh, the honors of giving us the few the first article tonight. Oh, the first one. Uh, let's see here. So straight out of the box, you might have seen this through the internet, and Michael will share the article here, uh, what we're talking about. So sure. this kind of came up on the car, at least the Z-Nerds radar here recently, and you might have seen some pictures of this vehicle, like a brand new Z was tagged up with spray paint. And we didn't really understand the full concept of, of what was happening at the time, but some light has recently been shed on what was happening with those. It turns out that these vehicles wasn't just the Z. It was actually a few other frontiers as well. Um, these were all vehicles that were basically first run promo vehicles um, put together by Nissan. And Nissan um, was actually uh, in the process of tagging these panels um, in a sense to to um to tag the panels themselves in an effort uh to make sure they didn't go with anywhere they didn't leave the vehicle because the entirety of the vehicle each vehicle actually needed to be crushed uh, this article was actually wow. released from um and we can credit everything to a, a group a website uh car car scoops uh where they actually have footage of them driving past the location um, where these vehicles are soon to be making making their final voyage to crush them. Um, so yeah, they were going to be out the way. Now, we originally thought it was a little festive, 
but it just turns out that they have to tag every single panel and part. And then they, they usually label the side of the cars with a number, which is what makes sense if you look at some of the photos. The rationale is that was the number of that vehicle uh, that was labeled for, for tagging. Um, so those vehicles, from what I understood, have now gone to, uh, I wouldn't say a better place, but they, uh, they are no longer amongst the living from what I've been told. So um, it was just recently the light was just shed on what was actually happening with it. And there was some speculation that these were tagged part of an insurance thing. Mm-hmm. But then the reality kind of set in that it w- they truly were vehicles that were first runs that were set to be crushed. So, And so what I'm thinking about, too, is that these were, you know, pre-production models that were probably used, of course, for testing, mm-hmm. quality assurance. There's no you – know, because of that, and I'm sure there's a bunch of improvements that they've made because of these test cars, mm-hmm. uh, there's no true way to tell – whether these cars are fit for the road. And I think that's part of the, we might Correct. say. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, when Nissan does a run of some of these cars, sometimes you'd, and this is any auto manufacturer, you'd be surprised. You pop a hood. Sometimes there's no engine in there. Sometimes it's actually just rebar pieces that are actually structured together on the vehicle. If you pull up some of the prototypes, like the, the really legitimate prototypes where it was just kind of spinning in a circle and somebody's talking behind it, blah, 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 blah. Um, but you go and crack open these doors and there's literally nothing in it. There's an egg cart for a seat. I mean, they don't want you to see inside <laughs> those cars. Um, so yeah, that's what happened. So don't get your hopes up. There may not be any wiring in these cars. There may not be any of that kind of stuff. So, or, about going and stealing these parts and all that, or finding them before they get disassembled. The reality is um, they're going to the crusher for, for good reason. And, and also to alleviate Nissan of the liability. We did an article, God, man, it must've been like 15 or so back where we talked about them crushing, doing another run of these where they were crushing some of the, the minivan prototypes. Remember that? And uh, I do. And it was a it was a really cool minivan um, that you and I like loved. Super concept, yeah. It was like from the nineties, and it just like yeah. It was you know I think it was the Quest or something, but it was like the version of the Quest, uh, the uh, the predecessor for all that. But yeah, they ended up crushing that, and it went to. Um, a crusher in the sky after that or a metal <laughs> recycler in the, the sky. sky the big so, car junkyard in the sky the big yeah. car junkyard in the sky so yeah but um yeah to, just wanted to shed some light on it i thought it was a pretty interesting article put some finality out there in regards to that car so in other words they weren't vandalized it wasn't like somebody this wasn't a bad part of town this is protocol yeah originally uh, i we... thought the same thing i thought it was vandalization but it was not in that fact it, it turns out it was self-induced by uh by Nissan uh, on uh, on a way to a um, a, sh- a a watery crush filled grave. I don't know how you want to say that. But, yeah, there we go. I, I was thinking about it too. That it's I think it's more of a racetrack in the sky, not a junkyard in the sky, because the racetrack is probably more where the car wants to be versus we'll say the a great the great recycler in the sky. The great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, man. Uh, again, it looks. It, I know there's. Uh, it's sad to see at times, but it, that's that's life. This is you know from day. You know, one, fast years, forward to six happen. years from now, we'll see actual vehicles like this that are tagged up by angry girlfriends and angry boyfriends, and you know, if uh, your team, your NBA team happens to win in your city, maybe we'll see a lot more of these tagged up in this fashion. <laughs> it's just uh, 
you know, it's not going to go. These won't be the last. So if you're excited about graffiti disease, there'll probably be some more pictures out there on the internet. But for now, this is all you get. So (laughs) that is uh, the way it goes, man. Yeah. Uh, What do you got? I I saw you had a GTR um, article that was coming up. Yes, this was actually pretty cool, man. I um, let me share my screen on this and. The cool part about this is that it's Nissan related because of the designer of this car uh, that we want to talk about here. The car itself is not a Nissan, but I'll, I'll, I'll get onto that in a minute here. But it's the designer of this car. He was um, – let me just get to the title of here. The, the Nissan GTR designer pins a lightweight carbon EV driver's car uh, this comes from an, a website called newatlas.com in which they say here that the former uh, and retired chief creative officer at nissan uh, mr shiro nakamura uh, again since retired but has since been uh, very busy still he actually has his own company called sn platform and this company uh, is uh, employed with a, a, a handful of designers with uh, very good, uh, you might say, uh, elaborate uh, experience and uh, credibility. And uh, SN Platform actually partnered with a company called The AIM Company, and that's out of uh, Japan. Uh, what they did is that they actually were working to essentially create a car, and this is not just a this is not a rendering. This is an actual car that was developed. Uh, this car was was made to showcase the capabilities of the AIM company of what they're able to do. Um, before we get into it, though, dude, a little bit more about Shiro Nakamura. Again, he was at Nissan from 1999 to 2017, a very long career uh, at Nissan. Uh, as uh, a senior vice president and again as chief creative officer a lot of the cars that he was uh he had his hands in or his influence on let's just call it a, a very very awesome list the 350z 370z r35 gtr the uh, nissan cube the juke the leaf and then when you get into infinity it was the m series sedan and the fx uh, i believe that's a crossover uh, vehicle. Uh, arguably, Nakamura-san, uh, essentially his influence has been on more sports cars than any other designer on the planet. When you look at the number of sports cars involved, I think that's a fair uh, a fair argument to make. So he, he's been very, very uh, influential, uh, and specifically with Nissan. So uh, Again, this car that we're looking at here is called the AIM EV Sport 01. And again, it debuted uh, actually uh, at the Japanese Auto Council in April of this month. I'm going to scroll down on these pictures. What I want to do, Miles, is that let's talk about the styling first. And then I've got some technical points about this car as well. So um, I'm going to say right now, I was like, he's rolling on some fatties. I don't know what those wheels are, but yeah. man, they got to be twenties. They're twenties. They are twenties. Okay. Big, yeah, I, big I, wheels. I usually got a pretty good eye. It's it's not always depends on the car. Sometimes it can be a little deceptive, but man, I mean, those are twenties. And look at that brake <laughs> package that's back there. It's got to be a six pot. 
you know, caliber Huge. sitting away. I mean, it's gin- ginormous. And, it's and an, what I think about that, too, is that looking at this car – yeah, these wheels look so huge. Is because also the wheelbase is so short. Uh, this wheelbase is fifteen. What's that? Go ahead. Twenty-four hundred millimeters. Um, I didn't get the actual length. I think that's like nineteen. It. You're in Miata range. How about yeah, that? Yeah, I was I, gonna say you're in Miata country. So imagine so. a Miata with twenties on it. This is kind of what this car <laughs> looks like in terms of proportion and scale. Damn, um, son. All right, Let's all right. scroll down. I personally like uh, this lo- styling. The the front end s- kind of reminds me of a modern day Figaro. Remember the Nissan Figaro? Yeah, that's the 90s? that's kind of where I was going for. Remember that uh, crazy Russian designed? Um, oh my God, I'm losing track of it. But it's a it's a Russian designed car. Really big seller in the UK. Put it in H. You're just like, what? What year is H? <laughs> yeah, standard H pattern. It's like, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think we're getting enough from this. I, there's a CD009 somewhere or uh, <laughs> buried in this thing, if I had to guess, but I could be wrong. But yeah. I don't know. Um, so, I, you know, again, small proportions. These huge wheels. Uh, it's obviously a two seater. A hard top at, at this. Um, okay. You know, I. It's again I mean, from a that's scale. It's everything you want. It's everything you want. Lightweight it's, power. I mean, have we talked about power yet? But you've got not yet. You know, you've got you yeah. got the big meats. I mean, it's there. All yeah. right. So, so give that's, me some more deets. That's a Nakamura sound there, right? So, um, oh, before we do uh, these gold wing doors, man. You see how the, the oh damn, I even see the gold wing doors. Yeah, dude. It's not very often you see them. I mean, when I when I think of this, I typically think of like the, uh, what would you say, like a Mercedes or some sort of hypercar would have this style. I was gonna say this this uh, this screams hybrid hypercar definitely to me. Not even hyper, hybrid. This I mean, you start seeing the blue emblems and the way that some of the vents are in the front. That's got to be all for like brake cooling and maybe really simplistic cooling because it's not really highly needed for these. But this has yeah. got to be. Is this all EV? This is all EV. Yes, uh, complete okay. EV car. So you're you're cooling. You can tell by the front end there, right? The, Nissan's got the, the technology coming out of Formula E. They've got the initiatives and the the technology now to do that at that level. It's yeah. about time they compete with something. This is probably this may be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I like about it too is this hatch line in the back. Is that it? In a little, a really small ducktail type of spoiler uh, in yeah. the body. It. You know, again, this is just that seems reminiscent of like the new Z. That's almost, exactly it, what I was It kind of say, feels yes. like the tail section right there. It feels a little like the sizing of a Miata. The front nose of it feels, I hate to say it feels a little Tesla-ish. I mean, but everything feels Tesla once you take it all <laughs> When you talk EV, everything's Tesla-ish. Well, yeah, it? I mean, you, you start taking out the fronts and, and looking at it, but not all that much. Like, it, to me, it's like, it almost feels Jaguar-ish in the front. Like a fat nose Jaguar. Well, even these taillights, I was thinking, yeah, it, it seems kind of European. I was almost going to say Porsche style type of headlight, just the curvature of it. But, uh, but yeah. yeah, again, this this was a working model. Um, at least uh, the powertrain was. I don't know whether these displays or, or controls and the interior were, but this was a this is a working model. Uh, that went on showcase. I personally like it so much. Um, I think that, um, again, Nakamura-san, especially with his relationship with the Nissan, uh, this could be somewhat of a vision for us, um, his influence 
maybe what could have been, or maybe maybe he's got some connections at Nissan still. This this could be something that we see similar to uh, in the future at Nissan. My fingers are crossed on that one, but it, you know, wishful thinking, you might say. Um, let's get into the tech, though. You, you did you asked me that just earlier. Um, before we get into the numbers, there was a really good quote in this article that kind of lets you understand what the um, the reasoning and the theme of this car is. Uh, Nakamura-san said that it seems that most car builders think that everybody wants a thousand horsepower under their right foot, when in actual fact, having all that horsepower makes a heavier car with a lot more batteries, uh, which means robustness that may be added at every single component in the car. So with more power, all these weight gets added with supporting um brake suspension that has to handle that power much less the weight of itself he says the brakes for example the brakes need to be bigger and more powerful to stop more weight and uh the faster speeds and then also the suspension must work harder the tires as well and handling gets worse with every pound of weight you add so obviously the theme of this car was lightweight ev sports car um, not a thousand horsepower. It's not this hypercar range, but when you start looking at the savings in weight that that you will see uh, in this car, again, it's still a concept, but it def- definitely is something to really consider. Um, hopefully, somebody will make it into a somewhat of a production car. Uh, this car is actually rear wheel drive. You know, mm. an- another quote was saying that you know, with most EVs, a lot of manufacturers are going the all wheel drive route. You know, yeah. which is a motor in the front, a motor in the rear. This car is still a rear-wheel drive configuration, uh, dual motor still. So you have two motors in the rear, and there is a very cool feature for handling's sake uh, where, um, what do they call it, advanced torque vectoring. So you still get rear-wheel drive. You get the fun of the rear-wheel drive. However, um, it kind of has that stability still to where when you – when the car can monitor uh, some sort of slip between the left and right rear wheels, it's able to correct. Uh, this reminds me of what the 370 does. You know, it has a, an advanced uh, stability control where I called it, it would gecko. The car would kind of do this little shake. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's because it reminds me of the hikest days back in the day when we would have it for the rear, but I guess this is for the front, right? So, or is no, it no, alternating for all wheels? It's no, just rear wheel drive. The front wheels have no power whatsoever. It's purely oh, rear wheel drive. Okay. And I like that. I mean, I think that's, I mean, um, it, I yeah. think it keeps the cost down as well. Give me a shot and, of that nose again. Let me sure, see here. Sure, sure, like the sure. straight shot. I don't know why I'm getting a vibe and, and I could be wrong. Like, so there was a car that came out years ago called the TVR Chimera. Um, it's, you'd see it a lot in Britain, but it, yeah. uh, the Chimera, if you want, the, but it was a, it's an older TVR, but it just, it reminds me just so much of the front, but there's a lot of styling aspects here that, you know, that look so much different. Yeah. I don't know why it's just, it's taking a lot from that. But again, this is full on prototype country. So you never know what's going to come out of the box as a final product, if it's going to actually be anything that does make it into production. But damn, I mean, I love some of this. Oh, um, let's talk curb yeah. weight. What do we got going on? Oh, check this out. So, uh, Comparisons? The guys at New Atlas developed a comparison of this car, uh, of this EV concept car, with another car, probably one of the last cars that Mr. Nakamura 
uh, was influential on, which was the R35 GTR. So you see a side-by-side -side comparison of both of his sports cars, and you see the differences. Uh, most notable uh, differences um, are the, um, of course, being EV. When you get the power, uh, you've got uh, GTR has more power. Uh, you're looking at uh, uh, 557 horses versus this EV has 480. But you start getting into torque, and the EV sports car has the 500. Going to win all day long. Six foot pounds more than the GTR. Yeah. The uh, weight, man, the weight is the big one. Curb weight. This GTR, uh, the numbers that were in this come from the 2023 year model GTR. GTR is going about 30. 900 pounds right now, according to this site. Meanwhile, this EV sports car is much lighter, eight, about 800 pounds lighter, 3,100 pounds, uh, 3,141 to be exact, uh, is what this um, car weighs. So in overall, I put here, uh, it, it's shorter, the car is shorter, it's lower, it's lighter, it has more torque, um, it, it's, it's obviously Obviously, advanced, very advanced, being EV. It has the same 20-inch wheels, uh, similar, you know, same size as GTR. And then you've got a double wishbone front end and, and rear suspension on this car as well. Uh, the other notable difference between the GTR and what makes this EV so light is that it is a carbon fiber or laminate body, essentially the entire thing. It's an aluminum tube frame, uh, and, and you have carbon fiber wrapped on it so um many, many uh differences but again i would like to see if this car ever makes it to some sort of production uh, which by the way uh this this company the aim company has been encouraged the, the feedback that this company received uh during its debut uh, essentially they were encouraged to develop a feasibility study about a possible limited series production run uh, which could be very exciting i'm sure obviously very expensive too but um, I think that, uh, I don't know, I, I, my wishful thinking says that if, you know, Nakamura-san, considering his relations with Nissan, how cool would it be if he, uh, if Nissan were able to sort of license some of this technology and make some improvements. And, you know, we've talked about Nissan and EV for so long. We know that Nissan has a solid state, uh, uh, lightweight battery coming out very, very soon. Yep. And uh, which could even make this car more... Uh, more attractive, probably more cost-effective. I know Nissan was putting in for a lot of um, financial backing into um, a battery production. Remember that? Um, we saw that as a yes. viable option. I think they were going to plant that in UK, if I remember correctly. So we'll see if that's um, anything that comes to fruition. I mean, this is probably one of those highly anticipated projects that could hopefully um, make its way into fruition. So we'll see. Absolutely, man. Uh, right. So that wraps up uh, our <laughs> Nissan sure. news. So let's go ahead and jump a little bit into motorsports as we typically do. This is where uh, we take an opportunity. Comments, comments. Um, oh, sorry. Sorry. My bad. We uh, before we do, I should I should have mentioned. Uh, let's go ahead and get into some of the comments that you guys are sharing with us online. Uh, of course, we do have here um, uh, from Myers Motorsports talk in, re in reference to your article uh miles regarding the the car is going to the crusher obviously heartbreak to see that happen and um actually 
I forgot to mention this, uh, of course, from Myers Motorsports as well. Haley here says that the uh, the EV sports concept car is currently at Goodwood Festival of Speed. And that is uh, uh, happening this weekend, actually happening as we speak uh, this this weekend. And uh, w- it will make appearance, an appearance at Goodwood. So we're going to see this car on the road, which could be another step to potentially seeing this car uh, as some sort of limited production car anyway. But uh, go ahead. No, that's all I had. So uh, let's go ahead and step into our next segment here. It's going to be our motorsports update. Um, This is where we have a segment where we look into Nissan's current motorsports portfolios, its race entries, supported teams, and how they are doing. Um, You know, right now, across the board, it's just kind of that, we call it a summer break. Um, typically, I guess this time of year, um, let's talk a little bit about super GT. Unfortunately, we don't have a super GT update here for you right now. Um, uh, during our last bit, um, the number 23 car, um, did have a severe, um, crash. Um, so hopefully Nissan is in the process of rebuilding and testing that car, getting it ready for the next round. Um, we do not have another race up in, um, that. We don't have another race until August 5th and 6th, which will be round four at Fuji Speedway. Um, So that's pretty much it for Super GT right now. No updates from the Nissan camp as far as uh, the vehicles at this time. Uh, Let's go into local uh, news here stateside, and let's talk about the Nissan Challenge. This is an all-Nissan uh, related race uh, event that happens more on the West Coast. We're hoping soon uh, that it's actually going to have a two-parter where it's actually going to be handled on the East Coast, but we'll talk about that when the season kicks up and when we get that confirmation here from the the Nissan Challenge creators. Um, Again, nothing new right now to report on Nissan Challenge. Next race will actually be round five, but that will not take place until September 17th, and I don't blame them with the heat um, that has been kind of coming around that part of the country too as well. Um, on additional news, uh, let's see here, GT4 America, also, again, a break right now, nothing new to report. Uh, next race will actually be Road America, uh, that'll be in Wisconsin, um, August 18th through August 20th. Again, nothing to report on that. Now, Mike, um, let's talk about something that actually did happen, uh, Formula yeah. E. <laughs> so, <laughs> you got an update for us? We do, we do. Actually, the uh, Formula E series was very, very exciting for the Nissan Formula E team uh, here in the last race. Of course, we're talking about round 12, which happened on June 24th. Uh, This actually was a U.S. uh, circuit uh, in Portland, uh, specifically at the Portland International Raceway. We mentioned this in the last episode. This is an inaugural race. Uh, racetrack uh, for the Formula E series. This is the first time. Um, and I got to say, though, this if you are a Nissan fan, and I hope you are if you're watching us, this was a wildly entertaining race, uh, both at qualifying and uh, during the race. Uh, again, wildly entertaining. There was a lot of uh, sh- a show of strength for Nissan, but also there was heartbreak in it. And I'll get into that. Uh, so let's start with uh, qualifying. Uh, again, this was only one race, uh, a single race. When you got into qualifying, both our drivers 
Sasha Finestras and Norman Nato, uh, they both qualified in the top three uh, cars uh, for, uh, uh, again, for qualifying. In fact, both of our drivers once again competed against each other during the duels segment of uh, qualifying. Uh, ultimately, uh, Sasha Finestras finished uh, in third position for the race. Meanwhile, Norman Nato was in second place, his starting position for the race. Norman Nato missed the pole position by only 79 thousandths of a second. It was so close. When you saw that final duel in qualifying, for a moment there, he had the lead. And it wasn't until the end that it just it slipped away. So again, as you're watching this, you're just this would be one of um, only a few times that Nissan has had a uh, pole uh, this season. And uh, again, this that was very much the entertaining part. So um, obviously, because of this, you can tell that Nissan uh, their um, their strategy when it comes to qualifying and and their performance in qualifying has has improved a lot. If you re- if you think about what's been going on in the in the beginning of this same season, uh, it wasn't always the case. And so you you know in the last you might say the last three or four rounds, uh, you've seen a huge improvement from the uh, Formula E team. Uh, moving into the race, though, it, very much a strong start for both of our drivers. Uh, Norman Otto at one play, uh, from laps four through 11, actually led uh, the race first place. Um, ultimately, though, uh, we had Sasha Finestras uh, have a damaged wing, uh, front wing, in lap six. It obviously caused him to have to pit and replace that wing. Ultimately, he finished uh, P15, uh, not bringing any points in for the team because of that, unfortunately, though. But uh, again, it was a very, um, he was at the front of the pack um, when that accident happened. So, you know, had that not happened, he may have had a much much more successful finish. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Norman Otto, he, he definitely stayed up in the front of the pack for a long time, but it wasn't until he lost some positions right around the time that he started doing that uh, attack mode. You know, we've <laughs> talked about this, yeah. how Formula E works. There's this particular little strip of the track. Hit the strip. It. It's a strip, yeah. <laughs> it it's supposed to give the car it's a qualification or a rule of the race where if you if you go over this particular area of the track it enables you with uh, a few minutes of extra power super boost unfortunately it didn't really seem to work out for him though he he did lose positions and he wasn't able to have enough time to get back up to the front uh, ultimately though he did finish p9 he did bring home two points uh for the team so ultimately this uh last race Nissan gains an extra two points uh, as a constructor. And overall, they are eighth place as a constructor um, currently. Yes. Now, moving into the upcoming races, rounds 13 and 14 are happening in the streets of Rome. You got to think about it. How much these guys travel and how fast and how often they travel around the world for this thing. You know, again, before they were in the Middle East in Jakarta. Now they are on the West Coast of the U.S., and this weekend, they're going to be in, in Italy, in Rome, for God's sakes. So uh, this weekend, July 15th and 16th, as you can see here on, my, on the uh, 
on my screen. This is a 2.1 mile circuit, uh, street circuit, 19 turns. Uh, we've got um, uh, this particular configuration has been used before. Uh, I, I don't recall exactly Nissan's typical uh, success rate uh, or typical finishing, but uh, this should be a very, very fun uh, event. And I think that as we've seen, again, in the last three or four races, Nissan's performance improve. Um, I'm definitely rooting for them to see see more of the similar results uh, in qualifying and during the race. So, um, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to keep you guys posted. <laughs> Very uh, cool. So, yeah. cool racing this weekend. Uh, definitely check that out. Again, uh, you can follow our Facebook page, and we'll do our best to try to give you the live links uh, when we have those available. Um, so, you can also continue to watch a race. You can also check out all the Nissan action or updates through the uh, Nismo Instagram. I feel like it's the best update. Um, with everything that's kind of happening with the team. Also, there's a lot of fun stuff that's uh, kind of happening behind the scenes. Um, if you're missing out uh, by not following those guys, again, uh, you can check that out through uh, the Nismo Instagram page. Highly recommend it. All right. So let's talk here. Um, also, we usually try to give you updates if we can about the Centra and the Micro Cup um, that is happening here in Canada. If you haven't checked that out, you can check it out at centricop.com. But again, this is a grassroots racing series. In a sense, um, this is based primarily again out of Canada and it's six weekends uh, from May through September, um, exclusive to spec Nissan Centros and, and basically the Nissan micro cars. Um, the upcoming race um, that uh, actually the race that just happened was round three and round four. Uh, that was just July 9th. And that was um, as well part of the first annual Nissan Grand Prix weekend um, at Cirque Montreblanc in uh, there in Canada, in Quebec, to be specific. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, what happened in rounds three and four and what the outcomes were. Um, so really solid racing um, for round three. Um, turns out that the first place went out to a Simon Charbonnois, um, which actually took first place, P1, and then Alexandre Fortin, uh, who took P2, and Valerie Lemos, uh, last year's season winner, um, took P3. Uh, round four, um, it actually turned out to be Simon Charbonnois, Again, so he's, again, first place on both rounds three and four. Alexander 14, again in P2, fighting that battle out the best he can. Valerie, <laughs> unfortunately, did not make in the top three. Um, instead, was replaced um, for third uh, by Nicholas Barrett, uh, again, for round four. Shout out to Simon Vincent, fastest micra, and fifth overall in both rounds, uh, consistent there. So again, you can continue to follow the uh, Nissan Centra Cup again through the centracup.com. We find that they uh, do pretty good updates through the Facebook page, right, Mike? I guess um, here stateside if you're trying to follow it. Facebook page is probably where I've seen most of the action or most updated results. Um, yes. Yes. Again, if anybody from that series is following Please do more YouTube videos if you can, because we love seeing that type of, if Nissan could do some type of production level um, review of this, I would scream for it for suffering. For some reason, we seem to can't find it. Maybe it's in French. 
Um, I don't know about you, Mike, but my French is no so good. But um, <laughs> maybe one day we'll find out and maybe get in on the inner circle and uh, be able to give you a little more detail about what's happening with that. Next race will actually be August 4th uh, through the 6th. That'll be rounds 5 and 6 at Cirque de Trois-Rivières, again in uh, Quebec, from what I can tell. So again, I will try to keep you updated as we go in from there. Again, Nissan, if you want to send us to a French-speaking class, we will gladly go to that so we can pronounce <laughs> half these names. If I butcher these or any of the racers' name again, my apologies. We're doing our very best. Um, but again, we will continue to keep you updated as we uh, um, continue to try to cover that event uh, to the best of our abilities. Yeah. Woo! That last Woo! part's always, like, the toughest. Ah, uh, it's the tongue yeah. twister, man. Again, it is always it, a tongue I'm twister. I'm just not always, I'm not too proficient. <laughs> yeah. And I can roll all my R's. And the pronunciation's <laughs> pretty good, but my French, even in just speaking the names, is pretty bad. So I, I was actually apologies. impressed, though, man. But I think it, I was impressed that you, you should be. Right. You should <laughs> be. Um, so let's go ahead into a special segment. Um, now I did want to talk about we we haven't done a back alley chat in a while, and I was like we started nerding out last time we were together, and then you know we had a few moments to kind of talk, and I was like, what is the two things that actually help us? be successful when we're trying to build cars or the one thing that we think is success maybe are the one thing that's uh, our Achilles Achilles heel that's hindering us Ooh, so yeah. it was like i guess the biggest thing was how does cleanliness and organization in the garage affect the outcome of what we're working on Ooh. so i guess we're trying to find that line as to what level of cleanliness is necessary or what level does it become a hindrance? Is yeah. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, which, go ahead and give me some insight. For sure, man. Uh, I um, <clears throat> I had some time to think about this since we kind of picked this topic and, you know, try to do as much soul searching on my of my own <laughs> to figure out, to kind of call myself out. I think in the process of doing this, this uh, back alley chat, though, we're going to show our age. And I really mm-hmm. think that uh, we're going to find ourselves guilty of, of a few things. I think in some ways our younger selves were going to kick our asses when we realize how much, uh, you know, over time you obviously gain wisdom, you know, but, but at the same time, and that shows by, you know, the amount of preparation you do for garage days or, or even just the cleanliness of your work. Cause I mean, a clean environment will affect the cleanliness of a build or a specific job that you're doing that day on your car. Uh, versus a dirty environment, you know, so um, uh, there's a lot to learn and then a lot to uh, still uh, always improving, though, too. So um, I saw two sides of this question, though, because I think if you think about a spectrum and you've got each side of the spectrum, when you have a cluttered, full like garage or workspace, wherever you're at, garage or not, if you're if you're crowded, you know, you're the progress is going to slow down for that day or whatever you're doing. Uh, and then if you're on the opposite side of that spectrum, if you're waiting to develop this quote, you know, sterile lab science lab of a garage for you to do your builds. Well, you're, you're probably, ne- I mean, I hate to say never, but I mean, you'll very likely, you may not ever start that project because you're too busy getting caught up in this lab that you're developing. And I'm part, I'll, I'll call myself out out. I'm partially guilty of that 
myself. So, um, I don't know, man. Let's let's get into it, though, man. I mean, in terms of cleanliness, I mean, let's. Where are you currently? I mean, what what are you doing uh, in terms of cleanliness, and how does it affect? Do you, do you see pros and cons of what your approach is in the garage? You know. I will say this, like I always love the advantage of being able to go to something, grab it and know that it's clean because I took the time to kind of clean it during disassembly. So I guess when I get something like for, say, an example, either and I'll keep it small, like I I buy an engine because I buy a lot of engines. So I buy this engine. I do a complete disassembly. I drop all my bolts into a bucket. And then I pre-wash everything. Um, If it's a engine or an application that i'm not familiar with believe it or not i label everything in the bags and i drop all that greasy ish into sandwich bags and then i clean them in sections and organize them if if i know that i'm just going to clean them if i know that i'm gonna plate them platers don't care sadly and they just they do it all in bulk so you might as well just dump it all in a bucket clean it all in a bucket as a as a mass and go from there and then you're going to be that poor bastard that has to figure it out and sort through all the CAD plated stuff and like, what the hell is this? Is this even, is this even a, a metric, <laughs> you know, just believe it or not. And, and, you know, uh, it, it does come out like that. It just depends how you want to get, but if I'm working on, say I'm working on like a project for you or I'm working on somebody else's thing, I literally take everything apart and I, I bag everything. Now I also have a lot of scraps of cardboard. Um, okay. I'm a big like reclaim and recycle guy. So as I get like Amazon packages or eBay packages or anything in the mail, um, I take a lot of bags and I clean them out like Ziploc bags, sealed bags. I, I try to recycle and re- repurpose old existing stuff, not anything that's sealed. And then I, I label a lot of stuff with Sharpie. So I, I have my stuff doesn't really cost me a lot of money as far as those purposes. So when I grab something, I can, I know that I've got it there and it didn't really cost me anything. There's almost zero investment for me. It's just, I took the time to kind of put all my bags in one big grab. And then I just kind of go out as I'm working Ziploc bags, sandwich bags. I know it's like three bucks for 50 or a hundred. Yeah. That saves me a lot, believe it or not. Um, I buy, I keep a lot of boxes and like old existing boxes and I pancake them. Like I, I collapse them. And then when I'm doing a project and I need to put all that stuff together, I just, I clean it to the best of my ability. And then I dump it all in the box. And, and then I, I I say, Hey, four projects, box one, box two, box three, or Mm -hmm. one of four. I know it sounds crazy. But you don't know how many boxes you have or you, how many you should be looking for if you don't do one of four or one of six or three. Because then you'll be like, oh, I only have this one box. But the reality is there's three stuck in that big pile of garbage behind you. So that, <laughs> these are just like little details that I do um, yeah. and just ways that I kind of organize and, and nerd out. Um, when I do plate everything, I actually put all my 10s, 12s, 14s and bolts in in shorts, longs, I, I, I nerd out and I, I invest yeah. a little bit of money to make that happen. You know, you know how I am. So yeah. that's true. And a, a, a few things. W- one thing is, is that I don't know very many people that go to the level of cleanliness as we do specifically CAD plating bolts from used engines. You know, a lot of people would just say, clean it, 
you know, make sure the threads are clean and keep on going. Uh, to go to the extent of sending the, having these things cleaned mm-hmm. and then dipped to look like new again. I don't. I've tried. I've spoken to a lot of people about that, and I get I get the 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 eyebrow furl like what are you doing like type of thing but that's just the level that we're at i mean that's just what we do mm-hmm. it, it's not really making the car any better but it 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 does but it definitely uh, makes the car look look better even though yeah. it, it serves the same purpose whether it's yeah or not, you know? i would say that i mean i like again going back to like repurposing and reclaiming believe it or not like those things in my opinion help me move faster but let's talk about the flip side of that coin how much of that time am I spending cleaning up parts yes. that are delaying me from finishing the damn project in the first place? That's where I'm guilty too, man. That's true. When you've got, and literally, I mean, I'm sure you can attest to this too, Miles. You know, you might think, you know, nuts and bolts are, oh, you know, half a pound, very, very light. Uh, how much weight can you get serious, like honestly? The last time I did CAD plating, I had 65 pounds worth of nuts and bolts and brackets that we had to clean. I literally cleaned each bolt individually. It's I had my hand on every bolt, and I'm like, yeah. "What the hell am I, don't I doing?" Get, man? I don't get that damn crazy. Like yeah. I, I'm a I'm a big drop in solution kind of guy. Well, like yeah. uh, I, I do a lot of that, like tumbler um, or uh, ultrasonic. Well, I do that. I I do a sonic cleaner. So what I and we'll talk a little bit about what are my tips for success and, and what parts I use, but let's talk a little again, do those things delay? Well, yeah. I mean, you're spending money on, on parts and materials, but it's think long-term investment. You know, can you, can you use this for multiple applications? Yeah. You can clean crap around the house. You can repurpose tools. Um, you can repurpose, um, um, repurpose some other stuff. I use it a lot. Like this investment originally, I was like, oh man, I'm just buying it just for these bolts. What am I thinking? Or I'm just for these like brackets and parts. But I find that once I had the cleaning materials, I was finding that I was like at the end of like, say a brake job on the wife's car. Um, I could literally take all my sockets and my wrenches and I just toss them in the solution. I hit the sonic cleaner for three minutes. I walk away and pull everything out and it's like brand new. And I know that all the lubricity is back in these units because it's all done in one single shot. So yeah. now I've cleaned my tools. I've lubricated them internally, got all the nasty grit that's going to kill, like, say, socket wrenches. You know, that's the killer of socket wrenches beyond, you know, over torquing, you know, we'll talk it manhandling stuff to yeah. where you break it. But I mean, that's my own stupidity or that I, or that I just push something too far. But I yeah. mean, getting back to it, I feel that the investment that I put it into within reason, like we're talking to Harbor Freight pricing and Amazon purchasing stuff, it, it's paid It's paid for itself tenfold over so far. Like Sonic Cleaner, your parts cleaner, by the way, that you recently bought. Yeah. is uh, I got my eye on one. I'm just like, <laughs> it, it, it really does work, you know? Yeah. 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 Little, uh, you throw, they have a chemical cleaner and a, that, again, it's like a 20 gallon tub with a little uh, nozzle with a little pump. Mm-hmm. And I, I combine that with a one of those tumblers to yeah. uh, with a little cutting media, a cleaning cleaning media on the inside, and you, you put some of that cleaner in that tumbler as well. Parts yeah. come out super clean. So it you know I think a key thing that might be like an asterisk in terms of cleanliness and progress is that if you're going to buy something or do something that contributes to the cleanliness in general, 
make sure you can try to automate it. Like again, like a tumbler, you turn it on and you yeah. walk away and you can still do your other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, the other thing too, is a little side benefit of cleaning your own stuff. If you are going to say, um, and I'll, I'll just throw this out. You're going to plate something or powder coat something. When you take something that's really greasy and funky over to a plater, believe me, they are going to charge you an upcharge for cleaning that damn thing. So when you take something to them that's clean or already ready to go, um, a lot of times my plating charges are pretty reasonable. They're they're very cost effective because if the I've talked to platers before and I've done that, I had that as a side business. I would literally charge you damn near double for you bringing greasy crap to me um, because that means I was going to have to spend an extra, I, I mean, you got to pay for my labor hours regardless. Yeah. So if you take that stuff and you clean it to the best of your ability, you know, you're taking it every, uh, the opportunity to sort as much as you can get the aluminum and I'm just nerding out rubber and the aluminum out of this big batch that I do it. You're not screwing up my solutions when I go yeah. to plate stuff. So, um, mm -hmm. in reality, it does save you money in that, in that regard. So, yeah. I, I think something that you mentioned here, um, you know, the question that we've presented as part of this segment, which is, does it affect, how does it affect your progress of a build or the outcome of a build? I think the common denominator that we're seeing here is just time. How much time does this cleanliness effort delay or extend the length of a project? Mm -hmm. uh, something, and this is just something I've actually been doing personally over maybe the last honestly it hasn't been very long something new that i've been doing for myself because life can just be so busy in the first place much less getting time in the garage and then when you're there you might only get a few hours and then all and you're spending half the day cleaning and not doing the actual no, job that you're Mike wanting froze to do. up on me <laughs> oh no can you hear but, me yeah. yeah i can hear you now go ahead sorry what i was saying though is that we only have so much limited time in the garage because life is very hectic. Mm -hmm. And then when we finally get in the garage, it may only be a few hours. And then when we start getting into cleanliness, we, we don't want to get caught spending half our time overall time in the garage mm -hmm. trying to clean things. So one of the things I've learned and I've been doing most recently is set a time limit. And you say, hey, all right, I'm going to clean, but it's only going to be for X number of minutes. And whatever I don't get done, I don't get done. And it actually forces you to prioritize the little things that you're going to do. Like yeah. what's more important, a clean floor or, you know, polishing this, this socket. You know, you're going to prioritize what comes, has the yeah. greatest effect, I think, is um, – Again, we're really nerding out on cleaning. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd done. agree because if you come to our garages, I mean, one thing about me is, yeah, you have to spend a lot of time up front. Like, honestly, I get an engine. I'm usually tearing it down one night. I'm pretty much spending the next day cleaning for about four hours. I know it sounds crazy on an engine, <laughs> but I prepped everything for either what I'm going to do. So if I'm going to get it out to plate because I want it to be really pretty, then I know that it's all prepped and ready to go. Like say, for instance, if you're one of those guys where you're not really going to plate everything and you just want to clean it to the best of your ability because you want to throw it all together, a little clay, cleaning everything up front, believe it or not, uh, when you go to throw everything back together, 
um, it makes for a really clean install. Um, you know, um, I, I'm just kind of, I'm a firm believer in that. So again, I mean, it, it's all about balance. And I always say, if you can, you know, it's a lot easier to jump into a project and put in an hour cleaning parts than it is to like say, oh, I got to drop this engine in. That's not a one hour job. You know, you're going to have to dedicate at least a few hours because you're going to want to check everything, prep everything, get it installed accurately. Um, or sometimes those you want to drop it in with, say, a tranny and an engine installed all together. Um, you know, some of these, they have their their ways that you kind of want to get that done. But I will say when you go to assemble something, it's kind of nice that you could just grab it versus, yeah. hey, and I'll put this in, in in a different perspective. Say, for instance, we've all, hopefully we've all been there and you're going to go help out a buddy with their project and you walk into their house and they're like, um, hey, bro, where are these transmission bolts? Or, yeah. hey, friend. And you go and it's like, oh, it's the Home Depot bucket that's over there in the corner. And it's this high and you're yes. dumping it out on the floor and you're just like taking yes. whatever to plug in there. Been there. You, and believe it or not, how much time is that going to set you back digging like a monkey on like ticks on the back of another monkey? Like it just it. Like I've spent more time doing that crap and that's more annoying to me. And that's the stuff that like hurts my back and my knees. I'm not trying to say I'm old, but I'm just like, <laughs> I'm spending time doing that garbage. When if I just cleaned everything, organized everything, when I go to assemble stuff, I can put the transmission in, in, you know, 10 minutes versus, yeah. um, Hey, this took me 45 minutes, you know, and there's the annoyance factor of, and the other thing is you didn't get the right damn bolt. Now you're like, well, where the other? Where's this other bolt? Because now, I didn't I didn't put the right bolt in there, and then you're running a longer bolt or a shoulder bolt, and then you find out later on that you screwed something up. You stripped a thread, or you bottomed it out, and now yeah. that part's not not locked into each other. It's got it's got play in it, and that's yep. a nightmare. People do that all the time with starters, like they don't get the right bolts, yeah. and then next thing you know, the starter's dancing, and you screwed up a flywheel, or you ate the tooth on a starter. I'm just giving examples it's here. True. But if you don't use the right stuff and you don't at least get your right fitments, you're going to run into issues. So I'm not nerding out, not <laughs> nerding out too much, but yeah. One of the things too, and I wanted to, and Miles, I know you know this about me, but others might not, which is mm. it's, I'll say, I, for lack of a better word, I'm cursed when it comes to cleanliness because, <laughs> yeah. It, well, no, because I, I, I'm clean, but that's that's the curse. I'm over clean, and I think two reasons why that is is because my degree is in manufacturing engineering, and it has to do with uh, efficiency and the things that you do. For example, you mentioned right. One of the rules that we were taught was if you can't access a tool or in this case, a tool or a part, within 30 seconds, there's a problem. And under 30 seconds, there's a problem. So, yeah. right, that comes to that cleanliness and sorting and organization. Um, that That's one of the things that gets me. And uh, also, you know, yeah, with uh, I, we've both done OSHA training. Uh, when it comes to safety, you know, cleanliness, if you can yeah, – if you, if you don't have a clear path trying to get somewhere – you're asking for trouble too. Nothing feels worse than you injuring a buddy because you didn't take the time to clean up your spot. Like, honestly, like I've seen people fall on like, um, say like coated floors and you had something clear 
and you just didn't take the time to clean something up. Oh, dude, I've seen people bust their tails and you don't want to be that guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like just cleaning up everything or even seeing your buddy, like get in his car to drive home after helping you out for six or eight hours. And they're just, their forearms are covered in grease and everything Mm -hmm. excessively because you didn't take the time to clean anything. Yeah. You feel bad. You feel like a jerk. So, you know, I'm just like one of those guys. So let's talk about, um, I, I think we've kind of proven the point that, and I think we're both on the same page that it's about balance at this point, mm-hmm. you know, find the balance and, and, uh, and put things in perspective, you know, just make sure you're justifying your costs before you go out and spend these crazy amounts of money. You really don't need to, there are yeah, a lot of cost effective ways to kind of get stuff done and how to clean. Um, keep it basic. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, um, you want to kind of go into some tips and tricks about, um, what we do to kind of clean, um, or what's uh, your cleaning regimen? My cleaning regimen, um, typically is it's always, well, well, two things. One is of course a garage. So I'm fortunate to have a garage and not at a garage in theory can be used for anything. Some people have a gym off to the side or they put their lawn equipment in there with their car and their tools. One thing is I try my best to keep the garage purely automotive just so that there's nothing else in the way. Um, for example, I, you know, how many times have you gone into somebody's garage and they've got a lawnmower in the way and we, you know, it's a hassle. So I, I try to keep things focused. Uh, what's in my essentially worked my lab. Uh, in other words, um, I think that, um, a rule that I would do in the past is that once I'm done with a project, even though I'm tired, I clean, I get it done because that's going to set me up for a, the next day or the next project. Things are clean. They're organized. I know where they're at. I think that's a, it's, it's a hard thing to do, especially when you're done with a project and it's late and you're tired, but you might spend extra time Again, even if you dump them in a sonic cleaner overnight, at least you did something uh, to, to to clean your workstation, get it done. Uh, that's something that I think is a really good tip uh, so, so you don't let that mess propagate. And this, you know, they you may have heard this, too, like from a psychological aspect, a clean garage helps the mind as well because because if it's clean, you're going to want to get back in there. I think it's it's one less thing to do. Yeah, I think uh, it's definitely easier to figure out where you began when you go. I mean, nothing is more frustrating to step into somewhere you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, especially way too long, like coming back to something two months. So you have an injury or there's been a family situation. You step back into something and you're just like, uh, where the hell was I? What does this bolt go to? You know, yes. but if you're taking the time to organize it and have sacrificial like lunch bags and, and uh, Ziploc bags, believe it or not. It, it, it helps a lot, you know? Yep. So I, don't know. I actually wrote that down as we've been talking, which was, so don't yeah. rely on yourself to commit things to memory <laughs> you because you're going to forget. You're going to forget. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. So let's see out. here. What is my cleaning regimen? So teardown is what I like to call it. Mm-hmm. Teardown. I clean, I pretty much take everything and I break everything separately into, into bolts. I kind of just, mm-hmm. uh, sadly, I kind of just take all those as I'm, as I'm going, if it's something I'm not familiar with, believe it or not, this day and age, you've got a way to organize and label yourself, your phone. So go through it. Um, take a lot of photos as you disassemble at at the very least for the bolts and just go from there. If you can, 
um, it, again, if you're not familiar, you can take the bracket and and the bolts and just kind of dump them all together. If it's something that's overly complicated, like say, for instance, you got like five or six bolts or a water pump where there's different dimensions or threads, um, try to take the picture of it like straight shot and then lengthwise because you'll actually see all the different threads on it. If you feel like you're not going to remember all that, set that water pump or that piece on a piece of cardboard. Yeah. And trace out the bolts and then just take a like a Phillips set or something, punch them all through and put your bolts in that uh, in that piece of cardboard, stuff it all into one big bag with, say, the water pump or whatever it is, ziplock it all together, and then you can attack that separately all by itself. Um, that's just kind of one little trick that I kind of do when I'm disassembling. But my goal is to basically get to the heart of, say, the engine, where I know that I'm going to take this engine or heads apart and I'm really going to clean, where I'm going to either power wash or I'm going to steam clean or whatever system of attack that I'm going to do to it. But I want to keep all those pieces together if something I'm not familiar with. Me personally, these days, I can take an L28 or, say, like a VG30DE that I'm usually working on religiously. I know every bolt at this point set it's a memory it's having a, done a certain number done, of times you know after you've yeah. done it a hundred times like like i have it's okay but if again don't get overconfident to where you know don't don't be egotistical you know definitely <laughs> if you feel that like hey i just do this because i nerd out yeah it, it's overly doing it but once you do it about five or six or seven times hopefully you'll never have to do that um, then you yeah. can you can get to that point where you don't need to kind of do that anymore. But the, the whole key is to make sure that you're just kind of organizing it all, get some cheapy boxes, some cardboard boxes, and just, again, one of one, or one of two, one of three. Just start building your boxes and as you go from there. That's kind of how I do my regimen. I know it seems kind of insane, and you're, sp you're spacing everything out. But believe it or not, later on, when you go to put everything together, you're only dealing with four boxes. You're only dealing with, you know, 12 bags of, of stuff. And it's mm -hmm. all there together. Um, yep. You know, that's just how I use. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, that, that was my methodology. But mm -hmm. I did want to kind of talk about um, um, what little tips and tricks are you using in your own personal garage, Mike? that you found that have worked for you that are cost effective and cheap yeah. and, and yield success. I'll leave it at that. Big well, uh, again, I think a key word, it was automate. So in terms, even if it means soaking parts, that parts cleaner, like I mentioned earlier though, has saved me a lot of time because I can just throw something in some cleaner overnight or for a weekend or a few days. And, uh, it, it's kind of cleaning to a point. Um, so automation of certain things, that you can kind of sp spend your time doing something else while something just kind of works on its own. That's mm -hmm. always awesome. Use of certain tools. Um, I, I'm fortunate to have a, just an air compressor. So I have air compressor tools or a, an electric wire wheel for cleaning uh, bolts and hardware. Uh, it just saves you time as opposed to a piece of sandpaper or scuff pad. So within reason, if a particular tool isn't too expensive, Hey, maybe grab it. Uh, even, you know, if you can find a deal on a used one, whatever it may be, save yourself some time, save yourself some money, and uh, you can get out there and 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 uh, it'll contribute to a, not only a clean build, but again, when you get into the actual uh, project uh, or your, the cleanliness of your garage, um, uh, it, it'll help out a lot. Um, I think that 
Um, you mentioned cardboard. I have that cardboard that 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 corner of the room that has this folded folded boxes, cardboard and all. If not to be used for organizing, at the very least, it can soak up some oil. You know, if you're doing a job that's messy, lay it down or some sort of other material that will soak up the oil and, and, and things like that too, because that. Uh, and funnels and drain pans are probably another thing. Yeah, just try to collect as much as you can because it's about prevention. If you can collect that stuff as it's falling, that's one less step in time that you have to spend trying to clean it up later. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see here. For me, I would say, again, Ziploc bags, believe it or not, you're in your grocery store. They're always on sale because some full mm-hmm. open them up and they're like 99 cents for like 50 I buy those. Forty nine for forty nine of them. Forty nine for forty nine of them. <laughs> someone stole a ziploc. Someone stole one, and now yeah. it's reduced down because it's an open bag and it looks like garbage. Believe it or not, I buy those. Um, you know, I'm always looking for weird stuff like that. I'm always looking for cheap gloves. I'm always looking for cheap bags, and uh, and I believe it or not, I have like a what I call a crash cart that I bought for like forty bucks, mm-hmm. and in in my crash cart, there's a whole like bunch of Ziploc bags, big quarts, the ones you can put a whole chicken in. Then I've got the little mini sandwich bags. I mean, collectively, I probably got, you know, eight, 10 bucks tied up in it. And then there's just this one bag with a bunch of like numerous, like repurposed Ziploc bags and stuff that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, I did buy on Amazon Prime, you know, this last week, I bought what is known as a resealer. And it's basically just, um, it's like a crimper, almost like a a woman's hair. Flat iron. A flat iron. And it crimps and it seals. So you can take anything that's a plastic bag and reseal it. I think I bought that sucker for like 12 bucks and it has paid for itself a hundred times over. Cause I use it not only in the garage, but I use it in the house. So like my kid's going to take something to school and they're going to lose something. And I'm like, hey, open this up when you get home. And it's like they have their own package for something. My wife, I do the same thing. So that is paid dividends in stuff. <laughs> um, Sharpies, I, I buy cheap Sharpies all the time and I always use them. Um, believe it or not, uh, paint pins. I use that a lot of stuff when I'm doing final builds, when I'm putting yeah. stuff back together. And I want to, if you ever look at a brand new engine, you'll see that there's paint markers on Port stuff. So they settings. know that the bolts don't walk out. Yep. And I mark all my bolts after I build something. I know that is super nerdy, but that's the level that I'm at. Um, you know, uh, I, I am a big cardboard guy. And then I, I I like to do tracing patterns. And I punch all the holes so I know when I grab it, bam, 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 bam. I'm, I'm done in two minutes. Yeah. Uh, what else has kind of worked for me? Um, I use a Sonic cleaner. I think I've got about an $80 Sonic cleaner. And I always buy, like, um, mineral spirits. And I always buy... Mm-hmm. Simple green. So I do, um, I'd probably say uh, uh, a one in five mix. So I just okay. one part simple green, five parts water. And I I soak the crap out of those suckers and I just hit it. Mm-hmm. If it's a really bunch of funky stuff, um, a lot of times I'll hit evaporust. I take mm-hmm. old, like, um, right. I take old, like, I don't know. I, I don't mean not look like, look like it, but I have like old protein jars that are sealed. <laughs> Yeah. Believe it or not, they seal really well and they make really good like maracas full of crap. Shakers. Shakers yeah. old Gatorade bottles. Um, you know, that way I can see through them in the solution. Um, old um tomato sauce uh bottles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, I use a half and half solution with that. And I'll just if I need to do a knockout clean. When we were doing this engine, 
yeah. for Cade Martins. We were literally building an engine in a parking lot. Yes, you and were. I I had six Gatorade bottles because it was so hot and water bottles. We kept dropping bolts and water bottles fit and yeah, putting the solution in them with evapor rust. And I I must I swear to God there was like a line of ten people. They were yeah. all like maracas <laughs> and they were all and we could hear them as they were working. I was like keep shaking and we poured <laughs> everything out and we literally cleaned every single bolt that we put in that engine. Um, and that was all done through a group effort. But again, all cheapy, sitting there, not doing anything, just taking a break, just yeah. cleaning solutions. That, side, side note to Bling Tony. Can't forget. Yeah, Bling yeah, Tony. Bling Tony uh, to this day yeah, was yeah, still yeah. a baller in cleaning. Again, Evaporust, very cheap, yeah. um, a very, um, very good product. Again, Evaporust, you can buy it for, I don't know, like 25 bucks on Amazon for a big Worth jug. It. You, and you highly recommend it. And it's and it, you can pour it down the drain. Believe it or not, it, it yeah. is uh, eco friendly. And I'm always about that. I don't I don't want to be that guy that's putting stuff back in the water system because eventually I got to drink it. My wife's got to drink it. My kid, my friends. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to. Um, I don't want to be that guy. So I want to make sure everything that I use is uh, eco friendly to my ability. With the mineral spirits, evaporates kind of on its own. So I'm kind of cool with that. Yeah. But uh, but again, I mean, that's everything that I've kind of got going on in my world. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, um, I, I know um, you mentioned a few things again. And uh, I think um, one of the notes I had here, you're talking about, again, having a good trash can, having a big trash can accessible. Again, yeah. you're going to detrash. You're going to take you're talking about these old, dirty engines. There's a lot of like for me, the last couple I've done has been. Uh, old fuel hoses or old coolant hoses. They're obviously trash. You know, you got to yeah. detrash all that stuff. Have an accessible trash can. Don't just throw it on the ground. Just, you know, throw it in yeah, the Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and yeah, it, you know, if you have a local trash can that does it, maybe uh, step up to the bigger bad boy. I know I've, I have two yeah. trash cans, and I, I know it sounds crazy, but, like, I do that much disassembly and yard work, and I'm working on other people's cars all the time as a side mechanic myself. Yeah, dude, mm-hmm. it's, I, I, I almost fill up two trash cans every other week. Yeah. So doing something. I, so I think if we had to sum it up, though, does cleanliness affect the progress of a build? I think it's, it affects yes. the outcome. Um, yes. You know, when I'm, when, when I'm done with everything and you and you see something that I did, I can tell you right now, it usually looks profoundly better than the average guy's um, attempt to, to do the same yeah. thing. I mean, I, I have people that drive around or around the country or I see them at a, a car event or a Z event. And I know that I helped them out with that. They're like, damn, that engine's clean. I was like, yeah. I was like, I I put a lot of that together. It was those little finite details that I feel that I did that, that made made that because you know you can always have a nice a a moderately clean engine yeah something's painted but the real detail kind of comes down to the bolts how and when you look past the valve covers and you actually dig into it like man they really did a full like restoration i think it adds value yeah again time yeah i think comparatively it's a minimal amount of time we're talking maybe six eight hours over you know collectively a span I, of a time. It's it's nothing insignificant in my opinion. So I think, I think it I think it highly pays pays residual benefit. It pays a benefit, but I think it's definitely what people need to know is that again, um, know when you've gone too far. 
cut no one is no one to stop i mean again the cleanliness of a build or the cleanliness of a garage is one thing and, and it's good uh, i definitely advocate for that but yeah when, when when all of a sudden you're uh what what's something ridiculous that you would do i mean that you would never think of doing in terms of cleanliness when you're trying to i don't know steam clean uh, well, not steam clean yeah, yeah, I, like steam. <laughs> I, I like steam cleaner believe it or not yeah, i actually yeah. have a steam cleaner now and yeah. I will say that I absolutely love it when I'm hitting wheel wells. Believe it or not, you hit um, steam cleaner on a wheel well, it will make it look like damn new, brand damn new, brand new, right. as long as it's not coated full of all that garbage undercoating stuff. So if you're trying to vapor, you know, yeah, if you're doing something ridiculous, you know, let's put it this way. You know, when you're doing something <laughs> ridiculous, that's spent so much time for such a yeah. little benefit. Uh just know if where it feels to go like line. you went overboard, you probably you went over. Probably went overboard. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but uh, yeah, so very, very cool. So, I mean, that's, uh, I think that's all I have on that subject. I mean, that's a lot. I, I, we could literally nerd out on this all night. But, I, but I, I actually think, wanted to leave you. I think I spoke my piece. Same here. I want to leave you with two questions. And this is actually a fun debate that might be help us wrap up the segment here, which is um, cleanliness. When it comes to cleanliness, not only not only the car build or not only the garage, but your cleanliness um personal what's your opinion of disposable gloves you know <laughs> we've had this nerd conversation before and you and i've worked side by side it's very I, polarizing yeah you have to have a glove on your hands all the time and you're just that kind of guy i learned it from you uh, well the thing is you only learned half of what i was trying to teach you. if you're working on something that's not greasy i want to feel everything <laughs> if if I'm working on something where I'm going to do it like an oil change or I know I'm going to get something funky on my hands, yeah. I'm probably going to do it. I, I'm probably going to do it with the gloves on. So I kind of pick and choose my battles as I, you know, because sometimes it's like I don't want to sacrifice. I know it sounds, you know, maybe tight, um, mm -hmm. a tight butt, but, um, you know, I don't always sacrifice my gloves all the time. Okay. But. Um, I will say there, are, I will say on the other side, man, I, I do this where I'm like, I make a point for myself and then I kick myself, but I will say this, that like a lot of times when I didn't have that glove on, I'll nick myself or yeah. I'll get, I'll get, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'll just get it. And then I stick my hand there and I'm like covered in grease. I'm like, son of a, if God. I'd only worn the gloves. So yeah. maybe your lifestyle of wearing a glove before you go to sleep. Um, <laughs> something a little more. No, I'm just kidding. But may, wearing gloves all the time when you're about to touch something, I can respect that. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put my nose up at it, other than joking around. But yeah. I will say that I don't do it as frequently as I probably should. Maybe yeah. I need to be better at that. Yeah. But I will say that I, I do it one on the really greasy stuff. As you can see, yeah. we were pulling an engine here. I was yeah. disgusted by it. I don't have gloves on. Yeah. And that's the reason why I asked too, because, you know, I, half my family are mechanics and technicians and stuff. And it's a polarizing thing because, yes, I do use gloves. Uh, that's something I actually learned, you know, with you. But I know when I was younger, nah, just get your hands dirty. You get some some yeah. some, some soap and a brush and you're fine. But uh, I just know that it is convenient, especially if you're like, you know, walking in for something or you have the phone. Someone calls you and it's important. You can just take that phone off, take that glove off. And now all of a sudden you can touch your phone and answer the phone on time. That's an example. So it is polarizing though. My, my, my family, uh, some of them are just like, you know, they, they laugh at the idea. Uh, one last question though, uh, which is 
when it comes to rags, are you a fan of disposable rags or those ones that you wash again, the red rags that are a dime a dozen as well? You know, I'm not a big red rags guy because I got to find after that, at the end of the day, it's like you're either doing one of two things with those. You're either tossing them. So it's yeah. not really a cost-effective solution in my mind if you're tossing those or you're washing them. Either you've yeah. got a dedicated washer for those because there's so much funkiness coming off yes. of those things. Yes. Um, and the other thing, too, they don't teach you about those is they die. Um, they die anything that you have. So if you put, yes. say, you have a bunch of shop shirts, which I do. I have sacrificial shirts. Like if you gave me a really bad shirt at Christmas, chances are it becomes a garage <laughs> shirt. And I cut the sleeves off of it. And that becomes the garage shirt. All right, if you put a bunch yeah. of red rags in with your, your shop shirts, guess what? Now they're all pink. I yeah. know it sounds weird, but I have a lot of shop shirts that are now pink because I try to do that. So these days I kind of, I ditched the full red rag and I really just kind of have shop towels yeah. and shop towels. I, I, sadly, I go with the brownies nine times out of 10. If it's something yeah. I'm reassembling, I'll use the blue cause I don't want the lint, but it's gotta be like, super I mean, we're talking like i'm putting pistons together with rings i won't yeah. use white towel i'll use the blue yeah. but uh, other than that everything else is going to be straight brownies all the yeah. way around so yeah i i was in the beginning as i was younger i would i would collect the red rags and yeah the problem was just like you mentioned cleaning them because not only are they dirty as hell but yeah just like you mentioned um, stuff's I in did... your washer forever I only did it once, and to me it was funny. But looking back, I went to the local laundromat, man. I just you threw them all in there, you dude. Bastard! <laughs> it's not my problem, man. I just throw in seventy-five cents. But uh, I next only did guy it once. is like, oh, I really got that. I get that job interview <laughs> that tomorrow. I, I hope that he's got that white tuxedo. <laughs> and the next day he's going for that job interview. With a full pink outfit, man. yeah, um, half pink outfit. Yeah. But uh, I felt bad. I yeah, never did it again. Piece. I've only done you're it. I've only done piece. it once. Otherwise, yeah. they've been in the trash now. That's why I use the blue rags to this date now. Yeah. It's so simple. if you're that guy who had an interview and you had to wear a pink polo because of uh, Mike, they're like, "All right." So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was Mike that did that to you. So. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um. So that's all. Everything we've got for back alley chat. Again, I uh, hope you learned something, or maybe you found out some of our quirks. If you ever uh, turn wrenches with us in a parking lot somewhere. Um, but maybe some of that helped you. We hope it did. Um, let's uh, yeah. finish out the event, uh, finish out the day. We're talking about events. Um, Mike, um, we've got a couple events that are kind of coming up here. Um, yeah. First and foremost, right on the horizon is ZCon. It is. It is. Uh, we are less than, I believe it's three weeks away, two and a half weeks from ZCon actually happening in Ontario, uh, California, Southern California. Of course, we're looking here, uh, July 31st through August 5th, uh, ZCon, which is the 36th annual International Z Car Convention. It is hosted by the Group Z Sports Car Club, again, out in Southern California. Uh, it is a very full uh, a five or six day event, I, I believe, again, 17 days out. Uh, we're looking yeah. at the schedule at it right now. Of course, we've got the traditional opening banquets uh, and chili party. There is a carding composition, a competition, uh, scenic cruise, um, judged car show. You've got, uh, let's see here, indoor judged car show indoors. That's always nice. That's not. That's not very often. 
that you get an indoor show. So that with is the, a nice little... With the heat that's been going on this year, I will gladly take that. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, we do have the uh, social evening at the Marconi Museum, a very notable museum. Uh, we're very fortunate to have that as part of the uh, schedule uh, for this year. Uh, we do have the Drifting at Willow Springs. There is a Hollywood screening night at the Fox Theater. Uh, Autocross, there's Tech Talks. And then you do have the People's Choice Awards and Closing Banquet, which is on the final day, uh, Saturday, August 5th. Uh, this is a very full six days uh, Z car, car car convention. I believe we only have one more podcast between now and then to promote this thing. Really looking forward to um, uh, seeing um, not only the events, but it's not very often that the Z-Con makes it to the West Coast. So it, it is a treat. I mean, the last time was, I think, San Diego in 2014. Diego. Yeah. Almost 10 years ago was the last time you were out at the um, West Coast or, yeah. or close to it. So it good. definitely is I will a say, treat. though, that the California Z-Cons are traditionally pretty damn good. Uh, I mean, every time that I've gone, it's always been stellar. I mean, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Long Beach, uh, San Diego. I mean, they've had a history of having some great um, conventions at California. I, I feel that this year is going to be no exception. It's going to be great. So uh, Edgar Furman actually chimed in here. He goes, plus a couple unofficial events as well. Um, so he goes, but currently right now it is 113 degrees at Willow Springs this weekend. Ouch. So, yeah. So pack for some, uh, warm weather. You know, if you need to get the jorts out of retirement, <laughs> uh, maybe this is the weekend if you're planning to attack Zcon. uh, sunblock hydration, um, protect yourselves at all times, um, uh, with the heat out there guys. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great event. Um, as per usual. So again, you can check that out at uh, zcon.org for all the details. Um, if you haven't already picked up your hotels or registered, I highly recommend doing that in advance. Um, and then usually you want to stop by the gift shop as early as possible. Make sure you're getting your early raffles in and getting some of that good merch because merch does go quickly sometimes, especially the good stuff. So just a yeah. little advance. Um, if you want to check out some stuff online, uh, they will also usually try to sell some merch online a little shortly after the event. So uh, you can also yeah. check, continue to check that out at zcon.org. Yep. Yep. Uh, definitely looking forward to it, man. Uh uh, moving on to our next event. This actually was a late addition. Uh, we actually had a fan reach out to us and ask us to promote one of their events, and we were happy to do it. Uh, we, we have talked about it before on the show, which is the movie Gran Turismo is coming out rather soon. I believe it's going to be in August, mm -hmm. early August, that this movie comes out. Just like... If you remember the Gran Turismo uh, Driver Academy, uh, Nissan was very much involved. And when you GT see the Academy. trailers, the GT Academy, I'm sorry. And if you've seen the trailers for this movie, you will also know that Nissan has a presence. I would rather say a heavy presence in this movie. So for Nissan enthusiasts all over the country, wherever this, uh, everywhere that this film is being uh, uh, shown, this is a very awesome opportunity to kind of have a local meet, a local movie night with your friends and new friends that you can make just by 
connecting uh, with this movie. So um, there is a particular uh, event happening in Paramount, California. Again, you're on the West Coast there. Uh, in Paramount, California, there is the uh, Paramount Drive-In Theaters. There is a uh, event happening August 10th at 8.30. This is a movie night where the local um, uh, enthusiasts are getting together to to uh, watch this movie. Uh, there is a particular organizer in general, and if you any of you that are on Instagram, of course, almost everybody's on Instagram, uh, and if you're on the West Coast near Paramount, California, you want to contact Wild underscore rides with a z underscore official there is that is the particular organizer setting you up for a drive-in movie night to see gran turismo with fellow nissan enthusiasts so i definitely uh again we i know we can't personally be there but we definitely encourage these types of events and movie nights with every z enthusiast group uh, or z car club uh, I think it's a lot. It's a great opportunity to have some fun, and it's most likely going to be on a weeknight. You get that sneak preview or uh, uh, one of those things. So I, I think yeah. it's a very, very cool thing. Uh, our last event that we want to promote for this episode, of course, we're talking about Branson Z Fest again. For those who watch the show, you think, "Well, didn't we just get through a Branson Z Fest?" Well, you're forgetting one thing. They have what they call the pumpkin spice edition of Branson Z-Fest. This is happening, of course, same location. uh, That is the Honeysuckle Inn in Branson, Missouri, September 21st through the 24th. You can go to bransonzfest.org to get all of the information and details so that you can register. Uh, Again, Miles, we've been to Branson, uh, essentially the, you might say, the early summer edition. Last time we went was in June, I think. Mm Yeah. Great time. The pumpkin spice edition is no different. I would say that it's actually more relaxed, which is really hard to hard to think about when it comes to Branson because it's just so much fun. I will uh, I will say this: it's like I always tell people, you got a hot and a cold um, Branson Z Fest. If you want to go to Branson Z Fest in the hot, you go to the reg- in the in the warmer t- time of the year. You go during then go to the regular BZF. May, June. But if you want to go to Branson Z Fest when it's nice and cold, when you start seeing, if you're a leafer, is what some people call, <laughs> um, you definitely want to go out to the pumpkin spice. I have yet to be out to a pumpkin spice, but believe it or not, I want to really go to a pumpkin spice. It's apparently super, even more relaxed than a normal BZF, uh, which who would have thought that's possible? Because when you go to BZF, you're just kind of just normally just chilling and relaxing and having a great time. But apparently pumpkin spice is supposed to be next level relaxation and just a lot of fun cruises, um, a lot of more open roads because traffic is not at its height. So hmm. I am super excited um, to hopefully, hopefully this year we'll try to make it out to Pumpkin Spice if if time permits. We'll see how it goes. So, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, again, a lot of fun. No matter what time of year you go, the roads are still the same. Amazing cruises, both self guided and uh, self guided and guided by yeah. the organizers out there. Again, great team out there. Uh, always something good to go to. Yeah. Uh, that. That wraps up events, Miles. Um, yeah, I think I'm give everybody a, a last reminder, though. I mean, um, now keep in mind we and we've talked about this before. You've got the new Gran Turismo movie that's coming out. Um, this is uh, a heavy Nissan movie, actually. You could see inspired by the young man behind me, Jan, 
Um, so you definitely want to go and uh, check this movie out. Um, if you have an opportunity, definitely support it. It is a heavy Nissan branded film. So again, uh, you can check that out. If you want to get a little more insight of what this was actually about, again, you can check out um, some great footage, um, all the GT Academy episodes. If you want to learn about those, um, especially the U.S. one that has our friend Brian Highcotter in it, um, you know, our good buddy Brian Highcotter, boom, um, who's actually in the who's racing right now in the GT4 series, which I kind of feel this movie is a little bit about him, but whatever. But he yeah. was actually the winner of the first U.S. Uh, GT Academy. Um, again, who knows who it's about? We won't know until we actually see the movie again. But I hear it's about yeah. Anyways, the movie's coming out. We highly recommend you support it and go check it out. Again, it's a racing movie. Who doesn't want to go damn see it? Um, and then um, it, it'll be out in your local theaters coming in, God, like three weeks, something like that. Four weeks? Is it's it uh, about I think it releases on the 7th, right? Four weeks or so, yes. It, it might be a staggered, I mean, who knows? It's early August, though. I think it's August. It's, I know it's early August, 11th, but again, 12th. when yeah. it comes out, you definitely want to check that out. Just want to give everybody that reminder um, and go check that out if you have an opportunity. So, um, but exactly. that's it. That's all I got, man. Um, again, you can continue to like, share, subscribe um, to the Nissan Nerd Podcast. You can contact us through social media, YouTube, or email if you've got um, something that you would like us to promote or let the uh, Nissan yeah. or Dotson or Infinity community know. You can do that at info at NissanNerd.com. Yeah, a great example. Again, that last event that we had was from a fan submittal uh, is a regional event. And again, for you guys that are around, uh, reach out. We are meant to be the soapbox for you guys um, with with most of these events. So as long as it's well a well-organized event and it seemed like this one was, uh, hey, let's promote it. Let's be, we're here for you. Yeah. Um, on that note, Miles, um, is is that it? That's it. That's all we got, baby. That's it. Wow. We're out. Hour yes. and 30 minutes. That's a, that's a short one. We haven't had a short one like that in a while. So Relatively I'll take it. Short. Yeah. I will take it. <laughs> I'll take this layup and call it a night. So, yeah, for everybody that's with us again uh, on the way out, thank you again for being with us. Um, let's do a little um, last compi, I guess, right? It's about that time, guys. Uh, for those of you with us, whatever you've got left, let's give it out a send out. Compi. Uh, yeah 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 again and uh until the next time get in your garage clean some stuff and make something cool (laughs) an hour a day goes a long way stay consistent no matter big or small find find some time in the garage that's definitely till next time this is the nissan nerd podcast we'll see you then all right guys Go away.